Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February the 11th, and our chapter reading for today is Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. Decalogue is the academic term for this and the term that's used by theologians. Deca means ten. L-O-G, log, is the root of logos for word, logeo, which means to say or to speak. And so the Decalogue are ten words. This is the reason why we have two tablets and you have ten words on those tablets. You see, in an inflected language like Hebrew, you will have the verb and then you will have the subject and everything you need in one word. And so the verb is the main word in Hebrew because it determines so very much that is who it is, that is the verb to be, or it is an action of some kind. And the action sort or the tense. It's all wrapped up in one word. And so we have the 10 words. Now, this is a very popular chapter, and people read this all over the world, even those who are not God followers, those who are not Jews. They read this because this particular series of verses make up really the way that we are to treat one another in a civil society. But let's go through these. Moses is at Mount Sinai and he's being given the law. It's called the law of Moses, the Torah. Now the word Torah does not mean law. It means instruction in Hebrew, but we make it synonymous with the law, which is erroneous to do, but nevertheless, it contains the law. So the Torah was given and it was given on what we call Pentecost or 50 days. In the podcast yesterday, I made a mistake. I said three months. It was in the third month, and it was 50 days after they had left Egypt. They came to Mount Sinai, and the law was given on the Feast of Weeks, what we call Shavuot or Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit was given in the New Testament, the Jews were celebrating the giving of the law, the giving of what we call the Ten Commandments. Let's get right into it. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, Hashem. I am Adonai, your God. He identified himself as the one who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You see, God never wanted them to forget who he was. It was so easy for them to do, just like it is us. He said, you shall have no other gods before you. Now, this is the first commandment. 
It is what God wanted everyone to know in the camp of Israel, all the children of Israel, that there were to be no other gods. He was not just to have first place. He was to have the only place. He was not a God. He was the God. He's not the best God. He is the only true and living God. Now, you'll notice the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. It had to do with the Hebrews' relationship with God. It has to do with man's relationship with God. The last six have to do with man's relationship with each other. You see, this is always God's way. Many times in the evangelical world, you hear about the Great Commission. You hear about evangelism. And that seems to be the emphasis now is the Great Commission. As a matter of fact, I've heard more about the Great Commission, especially from Southern Baptists, than any time in my 47 years of ministry, they're doing less of it. And the fact is that we have things in many ways backwards. You see, being comes before doing. Loving God comes before loving others, and that's the motivation for loving others. When we love what God loves, we're going to love people, and we're going to share the message of Jesus with others. But what we're trying to do, I think, in some ways is guilt people into serving the Lord, guilt people into into doing something, when we teach people to love God with all of their heart, it is amazing how easy it is to do what we need to do in obedience to God. And so this is where it all starts. It is in knowing who God is. And so here is what he says, you shall have no other gods before you. You shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything. He goes on to say, you shall not bow down. Now, the word bow down is the word shaka, shaka. And it literally means to worship and to be devoted to something. You see, we are not to be devotees of anything or anyone except God. He is our Lord. And this is what he wants with us is to make him indeed not just again a God, but the God. We are not to serve or work on behalf of anything, anything. Anyone that represents God because we only have one God. Now, what he says in the next phrase is amazing. He says, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity, the avon, the iniquity, the guilt of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth. And you'll notice it says generations. That generations there uh, certainly is implied, but the word is in italics in our English Bibles because it's not there. You'll notice in the second part of this couplet here, it says, of those who hate me. That is, he's going to visit iniquity upon them to the third and fourth generations. In other words, what one generation does in iniquity will be felt four generations away. But look at this. But showing chesed, mercy, chesed 
to thousands. Now, it should say generations after that, but somehow this is conveniently left off. No, what God says is, you see, this is a couplet. This is a pair. They go hand in hand. God will visit upon the third and fourth generation the sin that begins to permeate a family and a gene pool and a generation. But the other is true exponentially because here's what God says. He said, for those those who love me, for those who honor me, for those who serve me, there will be thousands of generations, thousands of generations that I will show chesed to. Chesed is that intangible essence of God that was said of King David more than anyone else. It made him a man after God's own heart. It is translated 12 different ways in the King James Version of the Bible because one word cannot describe in English the concept the Hebrew concept of chesed. It's charity, it's generosity, it's love, it's loving kindness, it's kindness, it is grace, it is uh, mercy, all of that and more bound up in one. And God wants to shower that chesed upon thousands of generations. So when you live a godly life and you honor God in all that you do, you're not only going to allow God to change your life, but you will begin to change your family tree. And God takes note of that. And that ought to be a great encouragement to all of us. He said, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That means don't be flippant with it. Don't be empty with it. Don't use it in a way that is worthless. That's what that word vain means. Remember Shabbat. Yes, Shabbat and the worship and the remembrance and the keeping of Shabbat made the top four. Because you see, this has to do with recognizing the God who created and made everything. And God's really serious about this. I've said this over and over again, and I'll say it over and over again in the future, simply because God makes a lot of him being creator. Remember, when we get to heaven, according to Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, the first thing we're going to do is not praise God that he has saved us, that he's redeemed us, that he's forgiven us, but we're going to praise God that he made us. And then we will thank God for saving us, redeeming us, and bringing us out of the bondage of sin. But he said, remember Shabbat, keep it. That is the word Shamor or Shamar. As you light the candles, as the women light the candles in each family or in each group that meet every Friday evening for Shabbat to welcome in the Sabbath, they light two candles. One is Zikran. One is to remember. The other is Shamor or Shamar that helps us to remember that we are to keep this. We are to set it aside. And he said, remember the Sabbath day. And uh, this is not the word here for Shamar. This is the word uh, Kaddish. It is comes from the word Kadosh, which means holy, to set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Shabbat. It's the only day that has a name in the Bible. And it is the Shabbat of the Lord your God. It is his day. 
In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days, that four is a purpose or a reason. This is why God wants us to observe Shabbat. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, and remember, Remember, anytime you see a wherefore or therefore in the scripture, stop and ask yourself, what is that wherefore or therefore? Therefore, therefore, the Lord blessed Shabbat and he made it holy. And if God says it's holy, it's holy. Now, it was particularly so for the Jewish people, but this is having to do with creation. And I can tell you, the Jews have kept the Sabbath and the Sabbath has kept the Jews. These Moed, these special days that we'll see in Leviticus 23 in just a couple of podcasts from here, we're going to See, these are days that God set aside and said, I don't want you to forget these particular times. And Shabbat is the first one. Why? Because it is weekly. It's not yearly. It's not monthly like the new moon. No, it is weekly. God said, I want you to do this every week because every week I want you to start brand new. Every week I want you to have a day to remember that I am the creator and without me, you would not even be here and you wouldn't have life. And then he goes on to say, first of all, when we start dealing with each other, the first ones we have to deal with in our lives are our parents and we need to honor them. The word honors, the word is really a word. It's a heavy word. And, and it is the word for heavy. It's one of the words for heavy. It has. It speaks of a heaviness which has to do with respect, with what we use in English, gravitas. That is, we are to give respect. You say, well, my mom and dad did this. Did that. It doesn't matter what they did. They're your mom and dad, and you wouldn't be in this world without them, and you need to respect them as much as you possibly can. You need to give them deference. And certainly, if you're in the home, you need to do as they say. They're your father and your mother, and God God said, if you would honor them, that it would be with a promise. And he said, I will give you life, really life, life worth living and length of days that go with it. You shall not murder. You shall not take another's life. Now, this word rots is a word that has to do with motivation, premeditation. It has to do with breaking something up, breaking someone up, bruising, battering someone. It's the idea of not stopping and just in anger continuing to beat and beat and beat until there's no life left in them. This is the idea of slaying someone. You see, that's not that's way, way, way above our pay grade. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And this is why the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said you need to be careful about getting angry because anger is such a volatile emotion. No human being can handle it. Only God can handle wrath and anger, thumos. Only God can do that. We better be careful about our anger because the Bible says a man who can control his temper is greater than the one that conquers a city. So if you have a problem with anger, you need to almost drop everything else you're doing and 
ask God to deal with that issue in your life because it will absolutely destroy your life. It's obvious God made us to be monogamous and to have a relationship with one man, one woman. You shall not commit adultery. Adultery is sex outside of marriage. That's exactly what is sex outside of marriage. The Bible says you need to be careful about looking at another woman, men, because if we do that, then we have started the process that will lead ultimately to adultery unless there's repentance. And fornication is the word, porneo, that is usually associated with premarital sex. The word here for adultery is the word for extramarital sex. Then in verse 15, it says, do not steal. The word is ganab. 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 Have you ever heard the saying, well, they nabbed it? Well, that's from this whole concept of ganab, G-A-N-A-B. You nabbed him. They stole it away. They grabbed it. That's the whole concept. You shall not steal. And then he says, you shall not bear false witness. And by the way, you can bear false witness without actually telling a lie. You can bear false witness in your looks, in your tone of voice, and your cadence of speech. Be careful because you see, God looks at the heart. What this is in the positive sense is be honest. Remember, there are 613 commandments, 365 of them are negative. But there is a positive side of that as well. And that is, he's saying, don't lie. What is he saying? He's saying, be honest. Now, there's a difference between lying and not following through on something or making a mistake. If somebody says, well, I'm sorry, I lied to you. I told you I was going to be here at 3 o'clock, but here it is, 3.15, 3.30, and I lied to you. Well, you didn't lie unless you had deceit in your heart and you told me you were going to be there at 3, but you knew when you told me that you wouldn't be there at 3.30. Now, that's a lie. But if you meant to be there and you were delayed and it was beyond your control or you started too late or something, that doesn't mean that you were lying and you just need to say, look, I'm late and I made a mistake or I delayed. There may be other sins involved in it, but it's not lying. Lying has to do with deceiving. And so that's why it says bear false witness. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Why? Because that becomes a lifestyle and it becomes your God. Covetousness is sin. And God puts that out there for his people to say, be content with what you have. Work with your hands so that you'll not only be able to provide for your own family, but you'll be able to give to those who are in need. That's what the Apostle Paul said, the great Jewish rabbi that became a follower of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Well, I've been at it almost 20 minutes. I pray that God will bless you as you walk on the way. Keep reading. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.